Let's bow our heads together, go to the Lord in prayer before we open the Word. Our precious Heavenly Father, as we bow our heads and hearts before you together this morning, we are so grateful, so thankful that you sent Jesus Christ to be our Lord and Savior to suffer the punishment we deserve, to take our stripes. Lord, how precious it is to know that because He took our punishment, we have a wonderful opportunity to be forgiven our sins, the only way that our sins could be forgiven all laid on Jesus Christ. And for that, Lord, we do thank you. We glorify the name of the Lord Jesus Christ this morning as we sing and worship together. And Lord, I pray that in our hearts, in our in our minds this morning, as we come before your word, that we would glorify the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by humbling ourselves before your word. Lord, we thank you for the for the power of the truths that we hold in our hands when we open your word. Lord, we thank you for the wisdom from the Holy Spirit when we humble ourselves before you and ask for your wisdom and your guidance and your direction as we go into your word. And so for that this morning we ask, give us your wisdom. Give us your guidance. Give us your direction. Help us to see the truths of your word and to be conformed by them and shaped by them and our thinking be changed by them. And God, I pray that you would build us up with the power of your words for your glory for the sake of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you turn with me this morning to 2 Timothy chapter 4? 2 Timothy chapter 4. Come to verses 1 and 2 this morning. And and before we look at the verses, I want to ask you a couple of questions. Questions that I'm not necessarily asking for an answer for, but I want you to think with me about these questions because there are some people today who are asking these questions. The question being, is preaching dead? Is preaching out? Some would say preaching is dead. Some say preaching is out today. And at least that's what some argue today, that preaching should be replaced in today's modern church with more dialogue More two-way communication. Preaching should be replaced by open discussion, at least something more, some say, more entertaining. Um, Sorry, but, you know, um, not here to entertain this morning. I'm I'm sure you're not here to be entertained. But some argue today that, that something that would capture people's attention in our overly media-saturated society today needs to be something other than preaching because preaching can't hold the attention of uh, the listeners today. And I and I would take issue with that, and, and I think God's Word takes issue with that. Many, even in churches today, are suggesting that we move away from preaching. Some who are called experts claim there's nothing special or sacred about traditional preaching. Why not accommodate to the tastes of society, they say. Wouldn't churches be better off with methods more in step with today's culture, they say. That might sound like a reasonable argument. That might even sound like a spiritual argument. But I don't think God's Word supports that kind of thinking, and I think that kind of thinking is dangerous. 
Why not accommodate to the taste of society? Why not accommodate to the change that we changes that we experience because we're so caught up in in the many different media outlets today that that, that preaching can't we think preaching can't capture our attention for a period of time when the word is preached. God's word doesn't support that kind of dangerous thinking. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, and I want you to see verses 1 and 2 this morning. See what God thinks about the importance of preaching his word. And it's captured nicely in verses, verse 1, and then the importance of preaching in verse 2. Look at verses 1 and 2 with me. I charge you in the presence of God, Paul writes to Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God, and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. God's word says, preach the word. Why? Why? Because... Well, we left the why last week. Go back to verses 16 and 17 in chapter 3. Look at them with me. Back up for a moment. Look at verses 16 and 17. Here's why. Preach the word. Preach the word because verse 16 says in chapter 3, all scripture is breathed out by God. It's, it's inspired by God. It's breathed out by God and profitable for teaching for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. That's why preach the word, because the word is God's word. It's not just some book, it is the book. It is God's word. All scripture is inspired by, breathed out by God, and profitable for teaching, and for reproof, and for correction, and for training in righteousness. And so Paul says, Timothy, preach the word. That's Paul's instruction to Timothy and to the church. This is God's instruction to the church. Preach the word. That's the imperative here. Paul says, Timothy, this is how you've been taught. This is how you've learned. Now you do it. Now you go and preach the word. And you challenge the church to make sure the church preaches the word. Is preaching important? Absolutely preaching is important. We can tell, by the way, Paul gives this very serious charge to Timothy to preach the word. What follows verse 1 is of vital importance. We know it's a serious statement here given to remind Timothy of the importance of what follows because of the charge found in verse 1. Look at the charge again in verse 1. and This is a very serious statement here. I charge you, verse 1, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom. Verse 1 is a, is a deadly serious challenge. The first part of the charge is in, in this challenge, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, is a very serious statement. The seriousness of Timothy's responsibility to preach the word is made very clear by the statement that the charge is being given before God and Christ Jesus, of course, being one and the same God. Everything, Timothy, everything, everything you do before God the Father and God the Son, Jesus Christ, in fact, everything we do, 
Everything we do is done in plain view of God. Everything Timothy would do was done in plain view of God. Psalm 33.18 says says it like this, which is a, a very encouraging passage about that kind of takes the same idea, but from a different perspective. Psalm 33.18 says, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear Him, on those who hope in His steadfast love. Paul's charge in verse 1 is a serious reminder, but it's also a powerful comfort to those who hope in God's steadfast love, as Psalm 33.18 says. And, And Spurgeon says, They who fear God need not fear anything else. Let them fix their eye of faith on Him, and His eye of love will always rest upon them. So for the preacher of God's Word who is concerned with people, whom God's Word says, don't fear people, don't fear men, and Timothy Timothy was getting this challenge from Paul as well. Don't fear men, Timothy. Fear God. Don't cave to what men want to hear because we're going to see it here in in the next few verses when we come back to this passage next week, Lord willing. People want to have their ears tickled, Timothy. Don't tickle their ears. Don't give them what they want to hear. Give them what they need to hear. Preach the word. Timothy's service should be carried out with the realization that it's all done before a watchful God, the watching eyes of God. And the importance of this is seen in the second part of the challenge, that God not only sees all, it's not just that He sees all. You see it here in verse 1? He also judges all. Who is to judge the living and the dead and by His appearing in His kingdom? Here's the idea. We're all under the watchful eyes of God. For the one who is to preach the word to God's church, this is a very serious passage. I don't take it lightly, and no preacher should take this lightly. It's a sobering reminder of the serious responsibility the preacher has to preach the word of God. Now the idea here is, is illustrated well by something I read from Warren Wiersbe, who tells of a frontier town where one time a, a horse bolted and ran away with a wagon carrying a little boy. And Wiersbe says, seeing the child in danger, a young man risked his life to catch the horse and stop the wagon. The child who was saved grew up to become a lawless man, and one day he stood before a judge to be sentenced for a serious crime. The prisoner recognized the judge as the man who years before had saved his life. So he pled for mercy on the basis of that previous experience. But the words from the bench silenced his plea, young man, then I was your savior, today I am your judge, and I must sentence you to be hanged. Wearsby reminds that one day Jesus Christ will say to rebellious sinners, during that long day of grace, I was the savior and I would have forgiven you, but today I am your judge, depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire. J. Vernon McGee says of verse 1, Paul is saying, in view of the fact that you, Timothy, are going to stand before him to have your life judged, this is what you are to do. These instructions to Timothy are just as pertinent in our day as at that time they were given by the mouth of Paul. This is what God is saying to you and me right now. To me, he's saying, preach the word. To God's churches, don't put up with anything but preaching. Preach the word. And it would certainly do us all some good to be reminded that we ought to occasionally reflect on the fact that, that one day 
we're going to face God. One day we're all going to face God and all of our works will be judged. But this this is an especially strong statement here in verse 1 about the importance of preaching the word. Ray Pritchard says that for the preacher, these are awesome words because they tell us that God pays attention to what happens in the pulpit. Every pastor stands in the very presence of God as he delivers his message to his people. Someday he will give an account for what he has said week by week, sermon by sermon. He says there is a real sense in which the preacher has an audience of one, God. The first must, the, 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 he first must preach so that the Lord is pleased with his message. If the Lord is pleased, It matters not what men say. If the Lord is not pleased, the applause of millions will make no difference. The pastor's first priority must be the public ministry of the Word of God. Nothing else can be more important than this, and nothing else can take its place. The pastor must give himself to prayer and the ministry of the Word first things first. Ray Pritchard goes on to say that years ago a a godly elder in the church that he was pastoring by the name of R.E. Nichols, understood that principle of first things first. When a former pastor had come to preach in the church, this former pastor told him about his experience. When he first came to the church many years ago, the elders, led by Mr. Nichols, gave him a sign to put on his office door that read, Do not disturb in study and in prayer. Ray Pritchard says they told him that they, they knew there would be many demands on his time, And they knew that it would be easy to get involved in peripheral matters that would drain his time and energy. Giving him the sign was a way of saying, we want you to keep the main thing the main thing. Put this sign on your door and we'll see that you're not disturbed. We want a pastor who studies and prays. That's the right attitude for a church to have, isn't it? Preach the word is what Paul tells Timothy. That's essentially God's challenge to all men who are called to pastor a flock. Preach the word. Paul says, Paul says, preach the word in verse 2. Preach. Look at verse 2. Preach. It means to publicly proclaim. In the original language, it describes the official activity of a herald, which is to announce or publicly proclaim. It was used of the official whose duty it was to proclaim loudly and extensively the coming of the king. Interesting. That's the preacher's duty, to proclaim loudly and extensively the coming of the King of kings and Lord of lords, to preach the word. And then here in verse 2, Paul goes further to explain how this proclamation is to happen. Look at verse 2 again. Preach the word, be ready, in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Timothy was to be ready. The preacher must be ready. The idea here is is one of urgency. This is an urgent matter that the word be preached. One of preparedness. This is an important matter that, that the preacher be prepared to preach. You see, preaching isn't something to take lightly with little forethought and preparation. I think an indicator of this can be seen back in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Would you go back there with me for a moment? Back, back to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 4. In verses 11 through 13, Paul writes this to Timothy. 
1 Timothy 4, verse 11, Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech and conduct and love and faith and purity. See where Paul's telling Timothy, don't worry about what people think of you, worry about what God thinks of you. Set the example in speech and conduct and love and faith and purity. Verse 13, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. And then in verses 15 and 16, he says, practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Be ready, Timothy. Be ready, preacher. Be ready. When? Always. Always. In season and out of season. Do you see it? The New Living Translation says whether the time is favorable or not. Spurgeon said, preach the gospel in season and out because the gospel is a fruit that is always in season. Amen. God's word is always in season. That's why we preach the word. It doesn't matter what people are acclimated to in society. God's word never changes. God's effectiveness through his word never changes. People are still people who still need God's truth. Be ready when always in season and out of season, whether the time is favorable or not. Ecclesiastes 11.6 is a, a good passage. That's good advice to preachers as well. Ecclesiastes 11.6 says, In the morning sow your seed, and at evening withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. I wonder if that's why we have a morning and an evening service. Maybe not. Be ready. Be ready. When? Always. Be well prepared. Study hard. When? In season and out of season. How? Look at verse 2 for the how. Preach the word how? Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Do you see balance here? I see balance here. It doesn't just say reprove, Rebuke, exhort. <laughs> right? Sometimes we think that's what it says. Sometimes we hear that kind of preaching and we think, I just got beat up with complete patience and teaching. I just want to tell you, I'm not in any hurry to go anywhere. I'm ready to preach for you until the Lord takes me home. Preach to you God's Word until the Lord takes me somewhere else. I don't, I don't necessarily want to go anywhere else. I want to stay here and preach the Word. You're enough of me to be responsible for when I get to heaven to answer for whether or not I preached the word to you, I ought to be able to say, yes, I did. And I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, I hope. But I know that to last, to be able to give you the words that you need to hear for you to be ready to, to take them, there needs to be balance. And I see balance here. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Teach. Be patient. Read the text. Explain the text. Next Sunday, read the text. Explain the text. Next Sunday, read the text. Explain the text. Why? Because God's Word changes people. I can't change you. I can't change you. But God's Word can. Look at that word reprove. Reprove. It means to bring to light. 
to reveal hidden things. That's what God's Word does to sin in our lives. It shines the light of God's Word in the dark areas of our hearts and reveals those hidden things that we need to confess and bring God's Word to bear on, making our hearts right with God. We need to be reproved. The preacher must reprove. He must use the Word to, to reveal hidden things. And I'm not even going to suggest that I even know what needs to be revealed in your life. I don't have a clue what needs to be revealed in your life. But I don't have to know. All I have to know is God's Word. Because God's Word is going to shine the light of His truth into the dark areas of your heart to reveal things that need to be gotten right with God. And so I'm confident that if I preach the Word, and you listen, right, you're going to hear the truth of God's Word, and that truth is going to reveal things. It's going to bring to light the hidden things in your life that need to be exposed to the Gospel and confessed and gotten right with God. There's also a place for rebuke. Look at the word rebuke. It's a stronger word than reprove. It brings the idea of more authority, a reprimand maybe, and even, even correction to prevent a wrong action. A correction to point in the right direction to prevent a wrong action. The Word of God is to be preached for this purpose as well. It, it, see, it enters our hearts with authority. I don't have any authority but from God's Word. I'm not the authority. God's Word is the authority. The preacher is the herald, the repeater of truth, if you, if you want to say that way. The one who brings the truth and gives it to you and, and lets the truth speak for itself. You need to be, and I need to be, rebuked at times. God's Word does that. The Word of God is to be preached for that purpose as well, to rebuke. It enters our hearts with authority, being from God. It enters our hearts with great authority to warn us from doing those things that dishonor God, to reveal those things that that would dishonor God and to point us in the right direction. And then there's that word exhort. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. Exhort, it gives the idea of coming alongside to give admonishment or even comfort or encouragement. Exhortation is the coming alongside and the encouragement, the correction with the truth. John MacArthur notes that after having reproved and rebuked disobedient believers under his care, the faithful preacher is then to come alongside them in love and encourage them to spiritual change. And all of that is to be done with, here's the balance, with complete patience and teaching. We saw a similar charge from Paul when he, uh, when we studied 2 Timothy chapter 2. You want to go back to chapter 2 and verses 24 and 26. 2 Timothy 2, verses 24 through 26. There must be a reproving and rebuking and exhortation, but there's, it, it's got to be done patiently. Because Change doesn't happen overnight, does it? And that's what Paul was challenging Timothy with. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 through 26. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. But I think it's interesting how he 
starts that verse 24 out with because it, it's not going to happen unless it's done from a, from a heart that's not quarrelsome, from a life that's not quarrelsome, from a, a person who's able to preach and teach and be kind to people, able to teach, patiently enduring evil because you're going to be misjudged and mischaracterized and misrepresented at times, patiently enduring evil, patiently enduring mistreatment. And verse 25, correcting opponents with gentleness. The idea here back in chapter 4 and verse 2 is that this patience that the preacher is to have in his preaching is that that spirit which never never gives up. That spirit, that attitude that says, I'm never going to give up. I'm going to keep preaching the Word because the Word is what you need. God's church needs the Word preached. And the preacher must never give up. He must always have that stick-to-it attitude. It endures to the end. with complete patience and teaching. Keep teaching. Be patient. Even in times of adversity, showing self-restraint that's not quick to retaliate when wrong, the preacher must be a patient teacher. No. I argue that preaching is not to be replaced by some other method. Christians still need to be reproved, as we see here, rebuked, corrected, with complete patience, with complete teaching of the Scriptures, and this is the preacher's imperative. It's a very challenging statement here in verses 1 and 2. This is what your pastor has been called to. This is, in effect, your pastor's job description. Preach the Word. You know, the implication here is that the The preacher preaches, but he's not just preaching to himself. I have to admit, a lot of times when I preach, I I hear things I need to hear. Because God's Word does that, right? And it should. But the preacher isn't just preaching to himself. Those to whom he preaches must preach to must listen, right? But this passage here in verses 1 and 2 is a very serious challenge to the preacher. The preacher will answer to God for whether or not he is faithful to preach the Word. Preach the Word. Not his favorite pet subject, you know, the the argument that he likes to, to bandy about. Preach the Word. The preacher will answer to God as to whether or not he preaches the Word. That's a sobering reminder to me. And the hearers will answer to God for whether or not they listen to God's Word preached. But then, that's the subject of our next study together when we come to the following verses. Preach the Word. Pray for your preacher. Ask God to help him preach the Word. Keep this right in God's church. Encourage the preaching of the Word in your church, wherever you come from. This may not be your home church. Encourage the preaching of the Word. Preach the Word. Listen to the Word preached. What a strong challenge to those who preach the Word. What a strong challenge to the church. This is a challenge to us as a church that we would take very seriously the preaching of the Word. It's why we give a major portion of our time together when we come on Sunday mornings and Sunday evenings to, to the preaching of the Word because we do take this seriously. And I'm very grateful that, that as a church you take this very seriously. 
Let's not forget the charge in verse 1. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Let's pray. Our precious Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning once again asking that you would take your word and change our hearts and minds and our thinking. We we live in a, in a day and in a culture in which there are not fewer attacks on God's word, not fewer attacks on the preaching and teaching of the word, but more and more. And many of them coming from within what we think is the church. When those who, in, in the world in which we live, argue that maybe preaching doesn't have a place in God's church today. But God, if we, if we take your word seriously, we'll, I think we'll see we, that we must preach the word. So Lord, help us. Help us to see your truth very clearly. And to take this very personally. Lord, I pray as, as pastor, as preacher, as teacher, that you would help me to preach the word. And God, I pray for your people that we would not put up with anything less than the preaching of the word. God, I pray for your church, this church, and, and your church at large, that, that people will be convicted by the word of truth, that they, that they make sure that the word is preached. Because the word teaches, the word corrects our thinking. It reproves us, it rebukes us, it, it exhorts us. And, and then, Lord, how thankful we are for those who come along beside us and very patiently and lovingly continue to point us in the right direction. God, help us to be a place that glorifies you in this way by the preaching of your word, the faithful teaching of the word. God, help us to obey your commands and to bring great glory to your name by our obedience to your truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.